Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. Now then, it's great to be here. I love what you do. I just, uh... anyway, anytime we can bless you, I think you are stars. Absolute jewels in the crown of what Jesus Christ is doing today. And in years to come, when some of you are old and gray, I'm actually only 32. It's just the stress of being a vicar that does this. When you look back on your life, you look back on this season and say, it was a great time. I was doing stuff with the message that saw the nation changed. And... um, I really believe God's saying that to you. Savor these days. Love these days. Love these communities that you're in. Love these friendships you've got, these partnerships you've got. The person you sat next to now, turn to the person next to you now and say, I just love you. Okay? Now, Some of you obviously mean it. Others of you are, well, just doing your best. (laughs) I love it when the guys go, I like you. (laughs) The difficulty is when I ask people to do that and they sat next to their, when guys are sat next to their wives and they go, oh, I love you. (laughs) And the wife goes, What was that, love? What did you say to me louder? I love you. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, I want you to remember a number, and the number is 16,566. Repeat after me. The number is? That is the number, as from December last year, that's the amount of coffee shops in England and Wales. Who likes coffee? Who drinks coffee? Who doesn't like coffee? Who drinks tea? Okay, you drink stuff. Who drinks herbal tea? Oh my goodness, what is that about? I will pray for you at the end. Herbal tea. Oh, anyway, coffee. What's the number? 16,000. Turn the person next to you. I want you in just 30 seconds. What's the best coffee experience? you've ever had in your whole life. Okay? Off you go. Best coffee experience you've ever had in your whole life. Okay, now, just give me a show of hands if your best ever coffee experience was in a Starbucks. Ah, interesting. 
One in eight of those 16,000 is a Starbucks. 2,000. Just over 2,000 Starbucks. They've got the monopoly. If it was a Costa, one. Okay, two. By the way, this guy, Ken Costa, has got nothing to do with coffee. He was in Sheffield yesterday at our church, and he stayed at our house last night. And actually, I can guarantee he's nothing to do with coffee, but he's everything to do with the kingdom of God. He's a fantastic guy. And he's going to be sat there thinking, when Carl's doing the presentation, do not mention coffee shops. Do not mention coffee shops. (laughs) Costa Coffee is about 1,000. One in 16 are Costa Coffees. Nero's. Anybody like Nero's? Ah, put your hand up. Yeah, Nero's be getting there. We like them. My wife and I like, Trish and I like Nero's. About 600 and odd Nero's in England and Wales. Independent coffee shops. Put your hands up. Yeah. You are one independent group of people. I can tell you that. Before I tell you my best one, I'll tell you one of my worst ones. I was once visited, this is true, an old lady. And I went in and uh, she said, have a cup of coffee. That was her voice, not mine. I went, oh, uh, thank you. And I was very young then, and I didn't know better, because nowadays I'm very discerning. I kind of look around and think, no, I missed this one. But then I thought, yeah, they're lovely. She said, sit down there. So I sat down. She made me a cup of coffee. She was really old, this lady. Tray came across, cup and saucer, biscuit, hobnob. Hobnob. As Peter Kay says, the SAS of biscuits. She brought it across, like, it took her about three days to get there. She was that old, this lady. And uh, by the time she got there, it was shaking all, there was hardly any coffee in it. Anyway, she sat down, she gave me, this is true, gave me the cup of coffee. Pull up, sit by the fire with me, young man, she said. She was obviously blind. She, uh, so I'm kind of, sit down here, young man. I said, is there another young man in the room? So I sat down, and she said, drink your coffee. And I got, this is absolutely true, I got the coffee. And there were two things wrong with the coffee. Number one, it wasn't coffee. She'd made it with gravy granules. It's true. Number two, she forgot to boil the kettle. Cold water, gravy granules, and cream in it. So I'm thinking, I was a Christian, and I'm thinking, ah, the heck do I get rid of the Lord intervene? Because she looked around for something. Like, this is absolute true. I went, there's a plant at the side of me. I went, <laughs> and I heard this noise. It was the plant going, Ugh. She came back, and she said, oh, you finished. I'll make you another one. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. That was the worst one. The best ones is on the Isle of Capri, Italy way, with my wife, Tricia. Michelle's looking longingly now. I think I'll have a word with Andy when I get home tonight. Overlooking the bay, having a coffee. It was absolutely, it was a treat holiday that we went on. The coffee was amazing. My wife was amazing. The weather was amazing. Actually, I was amazing as well. I'm a very humble leader. Coffee, you'll see where this is going. Coffee, we are a coffee nation. We're no longer a tea-drinking nation. We're a coffee-drinking nation. 7.9 billion pounds the coffee industry is worth to this nation. Let me give you another number. 
What was that last number? 16,000? The next number is this. This is actually true. 50,709. Repeat after me. The number is? That's three times the first number. 50,709 are the number of churches in this nation, England and Wales. Question. 16,000 odd coffee shops. We're a coffee nation. 50,709 churches. Why aren't we a godly nation? That is a good answer, but it is the wrong answer. That is part of the issue, actually. Why aren't we a godly nation? What has gone wrong? Why, why are we not impacting? If one, every time you, come, you see a coffee shop, when you come out, there are three churches for every coffee shop. Coffee's impact, believe it or not, folks, coffee is impacting our nation. I was flabbergasted. This spoke to me massively. Coffee is impacting our nation more than God. There are more God shops, three times as many God shops as coffee shops. But it's not impacting our nation. What's the number? 50,709. Say it again. 50,709. Let me read you this quote out here. One of my heroes, Billy Graham, said this. One of the things we desperately need is a spiritual renewal in this country. We need a spiritual revival. Billy Graham. Another great speaker and uh, fantastic guy, David Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, A revival then really means days of heaven happening here upon the earth. Days of heaven happening here on the earth. Now, whatever, however you view heaven, it's not a bad place. It's got to be a good place. So all that stuff that you think about, about heaven, however you view it, happening here on the earth. Now, that has to be something that we long for with all our hearts. Not even full churches, although as a church leader, I want to see that. But all the stuff that's happening in heaven, no sickness, no pain, no brokenness, kindness, love, generosity, joy, hope, all those things which make up what we would see as heaven, peace, being in the presence of Jesus constantly, all that down here, that's what revival is. It's much more than filling our churches. It's filling the hearts of our nation. It's filling the hearts of young people. All the stuff we heard about London. That is revival. And that's what I want to just give you a thought about this afternoon. If I may, as you have now chewed on my chocolates. Your chocolates, because I gave them to you. Revival. Thank you to Sam, because there's a scripture uh, coming on the screen. Here it is. This is Hebrews chapter 10. It's taken from the message translation. And I just want to pull this out a bit here. This is the scripture I wanted to bring with you, uh, with me this afternoon to encourage you. And this is what, this is what the writer says here. So this is Hebrews. This is written. We don't know who wrote the letter to the Hebrews, but it was definitely written about 30 years, 35 years after Jesus had died. So it was quite fresh. The stories of 
the Messiah were quite fresh in people's minds. And uh, this is what the writer says. So let's do it. The reason I chose this translation is because that's what you guys do. You do it. You don't just talk about it. You actually get on and do it. We've got a thousand pounds in the bank. We need 800K. Let's get on with it. I love it. I just love that. You actually get on with it. Rather than moaning about what's not happening and why don't they do something and why doesn't the government do something, why doesn't the church, you just get on and do something about it. And that's phenomenal. That's an encouragement to you. You just get on with it, as he said it. So let's do it, full of belief, confident. And the word confident in the original means confident. I went to Bible college. I know what I'm talking about. It means confident. It means we can be confident that we're presentable inside and out. That means when Jesus sees you, no matter what you feel about yourself, you're okay to him, not just on the outside, but on the inside. Whatever you've done, forgiven. Whatever you didn't do, forgiven. Because when he sees you, you are presentable to him because he loves you. So when you meet with God, you're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going because he always keeps his word. I don't know if you need to hear that this afternoon, individually or as, or as a group. God keeps his word. We were listening last night to uh, this guy, Ken Costa, the coffee shop guy, and uh, he's, uh, he was with us, he was speaking last night, and he told a story of this plant in this greenhouse, this famous greenhouse, and uh, this plant, it's a very rare plant, for 40 years, it was in this greenhouse, nothing happened. 40 years, it'd been planted, nothing happened. And then one day, it pushed through. Three days later, it's 23 feet tall. It pushed right through the roof of the greenhouse and carried on growing. It's like Jack and the Beanstalk, isn't it? Because the promise that was kept in that seed, that one day, if it was watered, if it was nurtured, if it was looked after, would, would come to fruition. It would do what it's supposed to do, which is to grow. And so this, this scripture here, for you as individuals and as a group, he always keeps his word. His promises will be fulfilled. I don't know if you're hanging on a promise. I don't know if God gave you a promise as an individual. I don't know when you came to faith, somebody prayed for you, or somebody gave you a prophetic word, or you sense some... If God has given you a promise, he will come to fruition. It will happen. A million pounds, a million opportunities. The message just wasn't for Manchester. It was for the nation. It wasn't just for the nation. It was for the nation's... And yet, all that time ago, it was like, yeah, too many glasses of red wine here. It's for the nations. It's for the flipping nations. I don't know. I was talking to some friends a few years ago about what you do about, about the U.S. Because we've got some, we know people over there. And actually, there's nothing like this in the States. 
There's nothing like what you do. You are quite different. And my honest belief is, I, I just want to say this to you, because you've only just started. You've only just started. Honestly, Manchester, Manchester's not big enough for what, you, what God's got for you. So he had to pour it out somewhere else. It's in London, it's in Sheffield, it's in Birmingham. But even that's not big enough. So you go to South Africa, you go to Australia. I mean, it's, for many of you, if you're working in tough places in this country, in Manchester or wherever it is, going to Australia or going to South Africa, it's kind of like, yeah, but that's not for me. But it is because you are part of that promise that God has given. And without you being a, jigs- a piece of the jigsaw in the whole picture, it doesn't work. So you typing away in your office or you out on the streets or you on the bus or you talking to teenagers or you going into prisons or you doing your little bit without you it doesn't work because God keeps his promises before I leave I'm going to pray for the promises of God to be released in you as individuals and in this organization so let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out I love that phrase. Not avoiding worshipping together, as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Let me come back to that one in a minute. So let's go back to this spiritual revival. Can we get this up? There we go. Worshipping together and encouraging love and helping out. These were the two words I felt God was saying, apart from the chocolates to bring to you this afternoon. Don't give up worshipping together. That's what it says here. Do not give up worshipping together. You know, I think we have forgotten in this country how to worship God. I want you to turn to the person next to you who you already have said you love them. And you actually would have shared your chocolate with them except that it was already in your mouth. It was very difficult to do it once you were eating it. I want you to turn to them now and say, think about it first. What's one of the best worship experiences you've had? The best coffee experience, yeah, but the best worship experience. It may be in a big setting. It may have been on your own. It may be listening to some music. Maybe you're just walking in the hills somewhere. It may be, I don't know, you're in the middle of Manchester. It may, I don't know. What's, think of one of the best worship experiences you have had where God has come close to you and you've come close to God. Can you do that? Just for a minute with the person next to you. Worshipping together. Just do that and I'll come back to you. Okay. Now, how many chocolates did you guys have over? Look at all the papers down here. How many did you get? Two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's about 20 wrappers down there. Anyway, I'm joking. I'm joking. Remember those experiences. You see, when we worship, God wants you to experience Him. It's not just the guys on the platform having a good time. 
We all need to join in and have a good time. Worship is not just music. It, it's, it's the whole of you. Times of quiet, times of, uh, of speaking out, giving thanks, shouting out, waiting on God. You can worship God in all kinds of ways. One of the things that we find in our place over in Sheffield is that, and we see this time and time again, people come into the building, and as soon as they enter the building, they start crying. That's just the staff team. <laughs> no, that was a joke as well. I've got to go to work. Oh, no, no, no. People come in, and they start crying. And that's something we prayed for a long time ago, that even before the preacher gets up, that people would come in and experience something of God. Because that shows then it's nothing to do with us. It's all to do with him. Lady came to pick her kids up um, just for Christmas. We had a Christmas thing on. Just She didn't come to church. Came in, picked her kids up, couldn't stop crying. Went outside the building, got her right together, stopped crying. Came in through the door, started crying. Went outside, get, pull yourself together, come on, come on, come on. Went back inside, started crying. Went up to one of our staff and said, I don't know what it is. She said, is there paint in this building? Because on my eyes, I'm just starting to cry. He went, no. She said, I just can't stop crying. He said, oh, that's all right, it's God. See you. Walked off. <laughs> How pastorally sensitive he was. Anyway, we sorted her out. And she started coming to church. Met with God. The amount of times people come in and um, just start. I don't, the, 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 she's usually like this. I don't know why, I just can't stop crying. I love that because it shows it's nothing to do with us. Even before our great musicians, like you've got a great band here, start doing anything. Even before the preachers, we've got some great preachers, far better than me. And um, they just start being impacted by God. And then the worship starts when we all worship together. And what this writer is saying here is, don't stop gathering together to focus on God, give thanks and wait on him. Don't stop doing that. Oh, I don't know if I'll go this week. I don't know. I'm a bit, oh, I'm tired of it. Don't do that. Just say, I'm going. I'm just going to be there. I'm going to worship with others in our homes. And we do stuff in cafes. We, we do it all over the place. Not just in the church on Sunday. We have this thing of worshiping wherever we gather be it in Starbucks, Costa Coffer, or independent coffee shops, just get a Bible out and start reading and see what happens. The amount of times we've done that, if you get a Bible out in secular space, eventually somebody goes, excuse me, mate, is that a Bible? It is. Are you a Jehovah's Witness? I'm not, dear friend. Let me talk to you about God. If you do that, people start to talk to you. If, and when you, when you read the Bible, you're worshipping. Worshipping together. And then this is one, I think this is you, this one. Encouraging, and, encouraging love and helping out. The word encourage here, the original word in the Bible means to spur one another on. It actually means in love to kick somebody up the backside. It means actually to jab someone in the ribs. This is what the original Greek word means. Because the, that part of the Bible was written in the Greek language. To, to jab someone in the ribs with your elbow. Go on! Basically, it means that. Go on! Go on! You can do it! Go on! Go on! Go on! And you go, oh, I don't like, go on then, I will. 
That's what it actually means. Go on, you can do it. You can do it. It's like when you're coming to the end of a race. Not that I do, but you know what I mean. You're kind of, when these guys were doing their bike ride, and you think, oh, the finish is lying there. I'm so knackered, I'm not going to make it. And then somebody comes alongside and goes, go on, you can do it. It's the same word that they use in the Bible, the root word for the Holy Spirit, who comes alongside to encourage us and spur us on. So he's saying in this passage here, go on, be encouraged, spur one another on to love. If you don't know what love is, there's a bit in the Bible, 1 Corinthians, usually used at weddings. We should use it far more than weddings. 1 Corinthians 13. If you want to know what love is, read it. It says, love is, and then there's a list of things. Patient, kind, not self-seeking, preferring others. a long list. So if you want to know what it means to love people, that's what it is. Sloppy kisses, it doesn't say, but you can throw those in if you want. Turn to the person next to you now and say, <laughs> what would you prefer off me now? We've already told them you love them. Would you, rep- would you prefer a bit of kindness from me or a sloppy kiss? Now, don't ask them that now. Now, some of you are getting really quite excited about this, aren't you? Calm down, calm down, calm down. <laughs> Spur one another on. Encourage one another to love. The one thing that draws people to the gospel and draws people to Jesus is love. But love manifests showing itself in helping out. There's a better translation. The word actually means helping out. Actually means this. I think Sam's redone me this too. Beautiful works. It's one of my best phrases in the whole Bible. It says, sperm another on, encourage one another to love. Be patient, be kind, be generous with one another. Don't, don't seek yourself. Push someone else forward first. And beautiful works. Let me read you this out here. I'll put my glasses on for this. This is what Paul says. There's lists and lists of them. He says this, Galatians 6 verse 9. Let us not become weary of doing good. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 13. Never tire, dear friends, of doing good. Book of Titus chapter 2 verse 7. Set an example by doing what is good. Chapter 3 of that same book, Titus, verse 8. Devote yourselves to doing good. And the word good means beautiful. It's a beautiful act, a beautiful work. We read here in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Jesus went around doing good because God was with him. Beautiful works. If you can, when you, we just had in our staff meeting this morning, we, uh, on our high street on Crooks, outside uh, the co-op uh, there, the supermarket, there's always a guy, um, Kyle is his name, he's a homeless guy, sits there in all weathers. And uh, we often start, we talk to him and bring him food out and pray with him. And um, he... His story is difficult, as a lot of people in that position, their stories are. But actually, somebody uh, went, one of our team went to him uh, on Friday, Saturday morning. And, uh, no, Friday, it was raining really hard. And he, he's usually there with his, it just, I mean, he's there in snow. Sometimes he's there with snow on him. 
really difficult, broken place he's in. But one of our guys went to him on Friday and said, uh, mate, here's some, you know, do you want to come out of there? He said, no, I'm all right here with my dog. And he was reading a book. And one of our team said, what are you reading? He said, it's the Bible. He said, oh, it's the Bible. And our team said, oh, I'm a Christian guy. Where have you got that from? He said, well, this Dutch guy came to me. He's from Holland. He came up to me and said, God wants, wants me to give you this. Can I give you this book? And I'd like to pray for you. And here's, here's a couple of bookmarks. Why don't you read these passages? And here's some sandwiches and some coffee. And, and then another guy came up to me, and uh, he was from, um, uh, he was from uh, Finland. And uh, he got, he got uh, it's kind of a bit of a bodybuilder type. And anyway, these two guys are from our church. They're our interns. And so the guy from our team saying, what we said to him was, how are you? And he told his story again. He told it, I'm not going to go into his story. Really difficult time he's had and just had enough. It just broke him, walked out on everything, disappeared and finished up on our high street, which is, he's been there for quite a while now. But what he said was this, I've started reading this book. And he said this, he said, our staff member said it was raining and he looked and he said, it's beautiful. And that broke my heart when I heard it. I just turned in the staff meeting this morning. He said, it's beautiful. Beautiful works. It could be something massive. It could be something like you're doing, reaching out and bringing these kids in off the streets. The work you're going to do in London. The work you're already doing here. But it could be something as simple as buying a coffee for the next person in the queue. I have had so many conversations we have a lot of our staff meetings in coffee shops. We get, them, get, we get out of the church, get into coffee shops. Because that's where the world is. The world isn't in our church. The world's in the coffee shops. We're a coffee-drinking nation. So let's get in the coffee shops. When we get in there, I, I love doing this. Okay. I would like to pay for mine. I'd like to pay for the coffee for that person there as well. And usually people behind the counter go, okay. Uh, okay. Are they with you? I said, I have no idea who they are. Complete strangers. But I like to buy their coffee. The times I've done that, and when I'm sat down upstairs or with our team, somebody comes up, loads of times people come up and go, excuse me, sorry to interrupt. Did you buy me a coffee? Yes. Why did you buy me a coffee? And off we go. It's guaranteed every time. For two pound odd, it's the quickest, it's the quickest evangelistic tool I've ever come across. It never fails. If you buy them a pastry as well, they're already in the kingdom. <laughs> I'm telling you. Well, it's because I just believe God loves you and, and God loves this world and God wants you to have a fantastic day. The amount of times people go. What do you mean, God? And I go, have you, do you go to church? I don't. Have you ever been to church? Well, actually, I used to go when I was a kid. And then I'll say, have you got five minutes? Why not pull up and just pull your chair up? I reckon 50 or 60% of the time people put a chair up and start to talk to me. And, it, and it's what our team do as well. Beautiful works. That's the word for you guys. You people are the great example of beautiful works. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are beautiful. 
Come on, guys, do it. Okay. When you do, <laughs> look at you, come on. When you do beautiful works, God sees you as beautiful. When you do beautiful works, God sees you as beautiful. Do you know the way to bring this nation back to God? To make it a godly nation? It's so simple, the gospel. We've complicated it. The longer I do this stuff, the more I realize how simple it is. Being a Christian is easy. It's just hard to do. But once we grasp it, if we spend every day doing beautiful works, this whole nation would be transformed. Start with your team here. Encourage one another. Smile at one another. What can I do to help you through your days? Anything I can do to serve you? I'm here to help you. Just start with the people you know and then work out to the people you don't know and then work out to the people you like and then finish up with the people you don't like. Then Jesus says, right, start with the people you don't like. Beautiful works would transform this nation. It really is as simple as that. I always say to people, I've come into land now, when I buy them a coffee, they say, I'd love to be, and I'll say, no, no, no. What I'd like you to do is, next time you come here, why don't you buy someone a coffee? And when they ask why, I say, I met a weird bloke with a beard and gray hair. He was only 36-ish. And he bought me a coffee, and he said he believed in God, that Jesus was real and loved me. And I would said I'd promised him I'd buy you a coffee and tell you that. And when they say to me, but I don't really believe that, I say, well, it doesn't matter. You tell them what I'm telling you, and let's see what happens. <laughs> if you don't do that, I want the money for that coffee I've just bought you. I don't say that now. Beautiful works. Let me finish by saying this. Um, 2014, did anybody see Glastonbury? Did you see, did any, this, is, this sounds weird, it's not. Did you see Dolly Parton? 1.9 million people saw that part of Glastonbury on the TV. 108,000 people were there. It was the biggest ever gathering for the kind of late afternoon spot for the golden oldies. And I want to read you here one of her lines. She did this song, it's... Um, uh, it was written by uh, her and uh, uh, Richie Sambora, who's a, a, a guitarist with uh, Bon Jovi. And this is the lyric, Lord, what I am is what you see. And I'm asking you to rescue me. Forgive my sins, set me free. Lord, if you want me, lay your hands on me. She sang that song, and I'm telling you, there was a spiritual breakthrough at Glastonbury. And I think through those airwaves in our nation. I thought it was the most profound thing indeed. Because God wants us, he wants to lay his hands on us. Because his call is that this nation becomes a godly nation again. Not just a coffee nation. And you are part of it. Lord, what I am is what you see. Lord, I'm not that good. I'm a bit useless. I don't remember the verses in the Bible. 
I'll just keep quiet because I don't want people to know how biblically illiterate I am. I'm doing my best. I'm not one of these loud people. I'm quite quiet. But I'm trying to do my best for you. I do know you and you have changed my life. Lord, what I am is what you see. I'm asking you, Lord, to rescue me. Forgive my sins and set me free. Lord, if you want me, lay your hands on me. Ordinary people just following an extraordinary God and doing beautiful works for him every day and encouraging one another to do beautiful works every single day. How many people in this room? I don't know, 100, 150, 140. Imagine if every day most of us did a beautiful work. Let's say 100 people here did a beautiful work tomorrow. Bought a coffee, smiled at someone, just smiling at someone on the bus, for goodness sake. Just did something that was a beautiful thing for them. Let's say we did that for the next week. The way I work that out, that's 700 beautiful works. If we pass that on to someone else, and another person did that, you share that with them, that's another 700. Before we finished... There's thousands of beautiful actions, beautiful works happening. God's going to turn up, I'm telling you. You are the beautiful works people. The message, you're the beautiful people. You are doing beautiful things for God. You are making flowers bloom in barren places. You are stepping where no one's dared to step because of fear and anxiety You are daring to do things that people have forgotten how to do. You are willing to step out when others have forgotten. They want to, but they don't know how to step. You are showing them by beautiful works. And that is the most extraordinary thing. It's happened before in our nation, and it can happen again. The first Christians were known not by, this is a great thing, in the first century, there was a massive epidemic in Rome. And when there were epidemics, people used to leave the city and go to the hills till all the dead people had been cleared out and then they'd come back in. The people who stayed were the Christians. The Christ followers, when everybody left, they stayed where the death was happening and the illness. And that had such an impact on the city of Rome in the first century. They stayed when everyone cleared off. That's what you do. You stay when everyone clears off. You're around when all the others go, why doesn't somebody do something about it? The government, the council, the education authority, parents, I don't know, somebody. You're the somebody. The message, you're the beautiful people doing beautiful works. Be encouraged. You ain't seen nothing yet with what God's going to do with you. You're going to look back in 30 years' time and say, I was there when that started to happen. You're not just for Manchester or London or this nation. You're for the nations. I hope I live long enough to see that really come to fruition. John Wesley, the great revivalist, was in Sheffield in the 1700s. I was showing some American friends just the other week. He was thrown out of Sheffield Cathedral. He wasn't allowed to preach in Anglican pulpits. I took them to the pulpit in Sheffield Cathedral. It's the same pulpit where he was escorted out. Outside were his followers. 
he went there around the back of the cathedral, something called Paradise Square, and he preached there. There's a plaque on the wall. It says, here John Wesley preached, and he put from his journals, quote, to the largest daytime congregation I'd ever seen in my whole ministry. People came into the square and fell under the power of the Spirit. Revival broke out in Sheffield. And what then happened was, those people, their lives changed. They went away and started doing simple, beautiful things. They fed the, home, they fed the hungry. They looked out for the homeless on the streets. They started to do a thing with children in Sheffield, the destitute children, the people from the steelworks who hadn't got any money and had lost their jobs through illness. Their kids were on the streets. And these early Methodists started to do an amazing work with children. They then started going to the prisons and the jails in Sheffield. Does that sound familiar? Jails, prisons, young people, homeless. Sounds like what you guys do. Duh. Beautiful works. A revival happened in Sheffield. The fire of God swept through the city. Thousands were converted. Churches were built that would seat a thousand people every time. The Methodists never built a church from that moment on in Sheffield for the next six years that would not seat less than a thousand people. It doesn't now, I know. But that's what can happen again. Go on, God. Last word with Billy Graham. I think we can get this on the screen. Believers, look up. Take courage. The angels are nearer than you think. That's what I'm going to pray over you guys. The message, look up. Look up. Take courage. Do beautiful things. Because the angels are nearer than you think. You're on the edge of something absolutely flipping phenomenal. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I want to pray for you. My time is up. I have to leave this place. I'm not going to die. I'm just leaving here. Don't worry. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you now. Jesus. I love these people, Lord. Thank you, God. I was brought up on a Sheffield council estate, no church background. A lot of the kids I knocked around with are either dead or spent most of their life in prison. I thank God every day that he rescued me. And I don't spend that long now having my heart broken for the lost and for the poor and and for children and young people. I haven't got time to have a broken heart now. I'm just going to get on with it. And I pray, God, for these folks here. That you would put into them this day a passion to do beautiful things for you. I pray this day, everyone in this room now would have a gift of a godly smile. I pray that from this day on, they would be taken aback that they're smiling and they don't even know they're smiling. 
I pray, God, that all of a sudden they'd start to do lovely, simple things for those around them. I pray, God, that there would be a knowledge of this place, even more than it is now, that they are beautiful people doing beautiful works for a beautiful God. I pray that all of them take part in this, God. I pray when they come to work in this building or wherever it is, or the places that they minister in, there would be a spirit of encouragement upon them, spurring one another on. Jesus, I pray for this thing in, Man- in uh, London on Thursday. I pray, God, that you would just like lovingly do something special there, Lord, beyond what they think. They don't have to pitch for money. They just have to pitch you. They don't have to do a deal. They just have to do you. And it will shine through them, Lord. Lord, I love these people. I don't know most of them. But I just love who they are, Jesus. And I pray these are the best years for them. I pray they hit this sweet spot, Lord, where these are the best years for them. And in 30 years' time, they'd look back and say, oh, my goodness, it was flipping great. 2016, 17, 18, we had two, three, four years. It was phenomenal. And, Lord, I pray this day, I release this word that hundreds of thousands of people over these next years meet you because of these beautiful people, God. We love these people, Jesus. Soften their hearts, Lord. Give them all they need. Beautiful people. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams. 